Welcome to Oncopharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the Bill Gadd College of Pharmacy, which is the supporting sponsor of Oncopharm. It is October 17th. It's a beautiful, crisp fall day here in East Tennessee in Mountain Home, Tennessee on the VA campus. And today, the question to re-challenge or not to re-challenge with immunotherapy. Uh, in um, this uh, mo- most recent issue, I guess it was an online only of Journal of Clinical Oncology, JCO, there is an oncology grand rounds paper by uh, Nakajima and colleagues from Hopkins talking about immune-related adverse events and when and whether or not to re-challenge patients with immunotherapy after they've had an immune-related adverse event following a prior course of immunotherapy. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And they present a couple cases. We'll go through these cases, kind of case studies, and talk through basically how to make the decision of whether to do this or not, even offer an algorithm. So kind of what we know is that immunotherapy, the big toxicity, are immune-related adverse events that can affect virtually any organ at any time. I, I guess if you look at most of the toxicities, the median time to onset is about about two months, somewhere in there, but you can see them happening very early or happening very late, even after therapy has been stopped. And if you have the immune-related adverse event, you treat it with corticosteroids. There are some adverse events, immune-related, uh, like hypothyroidism, that you can just treat with with uh, hormone replacement, with levothyroxine. In general, that's how you do it. Uh, if it's a grade four life-threatening toxicity, generally you stop the drug permanently and do not rechallenge. But for lower-grade toxicities, you could consider rechallenging once you titrate your steroid dose back down to baseline, like uh, under 10 uh, milligram equivalents of prednisone a day in general. Okay. So let's, the first case I talk about is a 56-year-old male with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer who uh, is treated initially with single-agent nivolumab as part of a clinical trial. The patient initially has a partial response. Hey, great. Uh, five months into treatment, the patient starts to have um, an increase in bowel movements, more than four to six bowel movements a day over the baseline. Uh, this prompts uh, a colonoscopy, which reveals colitis. So the first thing I want to talk about is how do we grade toxicity? So if you haven't done this at some point, you probably would want to get familiar with uh, Googling CTCAE PDF, which CTCAE is the common terminology criteria for adverse events, and this is how we grade toxicity. PDF, I don't know what PDF means, but it brings it up a little faster if you Google CTCAE space PDF. Um, So in general, these are graded from one to five, and the way I think of this, a grade one toxicity is annoying. It's there, but it's not affecting your activities of daily living. It's there, doesn't necessarily require treatment uh, or dose reduction. Uh, A grade two uh, adverse event is starting to affect your activities of daily living, all right? Uh, It probably does require treatment and either stopping the treatment or reducing uh, the treatment that you're on. Grade three is severe enough that you're hospitalized. Grade four is life-threatening. So it's not just hospitalization, it's hospitalization and entry immediately to the ICU. And then grade five is death. It's a very big picture way to think of it. There is also a very specific way to, to define these toxicities by toxicity. So for example, for colitis, a grade one colitis, is an increase of more than four stools per day above baseline. Now, I don't know that we routinely ask patients how many stools you have at baseline, but maybe we should if this is how we're grading colitis. Grade two would be four to six stools above baseline, an increase of four to six stools above baseline. Grade three would be seven plus or incontinence, hospitalization, 
uh, perhaps due to dehydration. And then grade four would be life-threatening. So you're, you're, it's not just dehydration, it's dehydration requiring admission to the ICU maybe for vasopressors, and then grade five, unfortunately, would be death. So this individual had an increase of four to six stools per day. That qualifies as a grade two. Patient was treated with prednisone 60 milligrams, presumably about, well, who knows, half a mg per kg or one mg per kg per day. We don't know from what's presented, but 60 milligrams a day. It took six months to taper that 60 milligrams of prednisone down to uh, a physiologic dose of cortisol. So the question is, this is metastatic, non-small cell lung cancer. Patient had a partial response, so still has active disease that is at bay, that is stable. Rechallenge or no? Well, maybe before you answer that question, let's present some of the data. Now, they describe in this paper uh, four, you know, a compilation of four studies presenting the data on what happens to patients when you rechallenge them um, with immunotherapy following an immune-related adverse event. And 39 to 55% of patients who have had an IRAE with immunotherapy will have another immune-related adverse event upon rechallenge. That's about 50%. Now, the numbers are a little bit lower if they were just or just going to receive um, PD-1 therapy, and those res those numbers and the likelihood of uh, recurrence of immune-related adverse events seem higher if you do in combination treatment. Uh, and when the immune-related adverse events happen upon rechallenge, they don't necessarily have to be the exact same immune-related adverse event. For example, you could have grade two colitis, be rechallenged, and then had and then have uh, hypophysitis or have hypothyroidism or something like that. So the incidence of the exact same adverse event coming back when rechallenging with immunotherapy is somewhere between 18 to 42% with it being more likely again with combination therapy. So in this case, what the authors say they would have done with this patient is not to rechallenge because it took six months to recover from the uh, immune-related adverse event. Because it took so long to taper the steroid down, they would not, and the patient was having good disease control at that time. Now, if the disease starts to grow again, now it's a, maybe a better time to ask the question, should we, should we re-challenge or not? Okay, so that's case one. Case two they present is a 57-year-old male with metastatic melanoma who receives ipilimumab for four cycles, but then has grade two diarrhea, and at this time has stable disease. So not a response, not progression, but stable disease. Gets treated on prednisone 50 milligrams for this grade two diarrhea, um, and then is able to taper off the steroids in six weeks, which is a much shorter period of time than case one. Uh, now the patient has progressive disease at this time, unfortunately. To re-challenge or no? Well, in this case, the authors say we would re-challenge this person. And this makes sense because the toxicity was uh, quickly resolved over six weeks as opposed to six months with case one. And now, so you have uh, maybe a less severe immune-related adverse event because it took a shorter amount of time uh, to manage. But also the patient's disease is growing. They have progressive disease. So in this case, the patient was then um, re-challenged with actually combination immunotherapy, some agents that are not uh, FDA-approved, it sounds like, as part of a clinical trial, and went on not to have any other immune-related adverse events, had another progressive disease event, and then was treated with an ipilimumab thereafter uh, without any immune-related adverse events. So that would be an example of somebody who was re-challenged not just once but twice without any further immune-related adverse event. Um, now... If this patient with metastatic melanoma, instead of receiving single-agent ipilimumab, let's say they were treated with combination ipilimumab and nivolumab, 
okay? So combination therapy and then has an immune-related adverse event. And the authors, uh, I think, would argue then to rechallenge with just single-agent nivolumab because the, the chance of a recurrent immune-related adverse event upon rechallenge are lower when you rechallenge with single-agent versus combination therapy. And you would uh, less likely to have that immune-related adverse event if you rechallenge with a PD-1 or PD-L1 uh, than with the CTLA-4 monoclonal antibody. And I should probably just say rechallenge with a PD-1 as we don't have as much data with the somewhat newer PD-L1 agents like atizolizumab. Okay, case three is a 71-year-old male, sorry, 71-year-old female with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer treated with first-line nivolumab uh, who then develops um, thyroiditis. It increased TSH uh, after two months that then is managed with levothyroxine, continues treatment with nivolumab, and then four months after that, so six months total into therapy, has a new onset headache that prompts an MRI, which shows an enhanced pituitary gland uh, yielding the diagnosis of hypophysitis, uh, which then results on prednisone 60 that then gets tapered down to, we don't know how long, but the patient is on, quote, long-term corticosteroid and levothyroxine. So presumably, I'm reading between the lines, the patient gets tapered down from PRED-60 to a dose of, say, 10, 5 milligrams of prednisone along with the levothyroxine. So now the question comes, to re-challenge uh, or no? Because the patient has metastatic disease, um, do we re-challenge or not while on levothyroxine and presumably a low-dose corticosteroid? Well, if this is a progressive disease, you would maybe argue to do that. Um, there's nothing necessarily that calls out danger upon rechallenge in this case. Well, this is what happened. Uh, the patient was, uh, after this event, quote, after this event, the patient was started back on nivolumab, and then after three months developed pneumonitis, which is usually much more severe of an immune-related adverse event. That led to stopping the nivolumab permanently. Five months later, the, patients developed, the patient developed aplastic anemia, which the authors admit, maybe that is immune-related. Uh, you could see immune-related aplastic anemia, certainly, and the patient ended up passing away from that. So it's possible the patient had a grade 5 immune-related adverse event in this when there really were no warning signs about rechallenging. So when you factor all these in, there are some general guides. So if you're going to rechallenge, rechallenge with single-agent PD-1, then immunotherapy. Uh, you feel a little bit better and feel like it's a little bit safer choice to rechallenge if they have a relatively mild and easily correctable course of corticosteroids or a short course of corticosteroids versus a long taper. Um, however, it's not predictable. These are not absolutes and that patients could die upon rechallenge and certainly shared decision making uh, should occur between the treating oncologist, physician, uh, and the patient. Um, some other things that the authors bring up that I think are really useful to think about and I'll put kind of a different spin on this, but imagine a patient is on carboplatin, pemetrexid, and pembrolizumab. Many patients would, would receive that up front for, you know, adeno, non-small cell lung cancer, metastatic in this country. And let's say they develop an immune-related nephritis. You treat them with steroids. Um, do you continue the chemo or not, like the carbopemetrexid? Maybe you stop the pembro, but do you continue the chemotherapy or not? So especially if you're within you know, the, the first couple months, say you, you develop immune-related nephritis after two cycles, do you go on with the carbopemetrexid? It's an interesting discussion, but you've got to consider what that immune-related nephritis could be doing to the elimination of carboplatin and pemetrexid and think about do we need dose reductions or even stopping pemetrexid at this time. The same thing, of course, would happen uh, for uh, if you had immune-related hepatitis and a patient was on a chemotherapy agent at the time 
like a cytotoxic drug that was metabolized hepatically. Uh, you might also think about, say, an immune-related rash. Should we stop the pemetrexid as a drug that can cause desquamating eruptions? Uh, the authors describe a patient here who had a grade 2 rash, was rechallenged, and then died from Steven Johnson syndrome. So there are real concerns or uh, real um, risks in rechallenging patients who've had an immune-related adverse event. However, there are patients who are able to tolerate that and go on and have a good response to immunotherapy. So I, I hope uh, this didn't leave you more confused because there is no uh, obvious answer. And clearly we still have more to learn about predicting both response and toxicity to immunotherapy. Uh, and, and those concerns are probably magnified in a re-challenge setting. Um, however, there are you know some generalities that you could offer to physicians if they come to you and say, oh, we had this patient and they were getting combination uh, Nevo and Ipi. I've had uh, this, this immune-related adverse event, but now I've tapered down their steroids. Can I re-challenge? You can say, you know, here are the numbers, maybe about 50% chance of having another immune-related adverse event that potentially could be fatal. It would be safer to re-challenge with just single-agent nivolumab. That's maybe the best uh, approximation of the data that we have at this time. But going forward, hopefully we'll get more. And if you are an institution that's giving immunotherapy like, uh, like statins uh, to, to heart failure patients or cardiovascular patients, uh, collect that data right up and present it so we have more information uh, to help use in our decision-making process. Thank you for listening. Uh, I want to throw a, a, a plea out there. Not to rate, review us in five stars on iTunes, although that's great. Yes, do that. But um, as uh, in my time to commit to the podcast here, I've figured out a way, I think, to do uh, some, some remote interviews. So if somebody has an idea for a good episode for a short podcast, I'd like to try out this technology in the next week or two. So if you've got a good idea and you're on Skype and feel like you'd like to be a member of the podcast, uh, you know, contact me, reach out to me, pitch me an idea for a short podcast, and let's see if this technology works and we can start interviewing some folks on the pod. But until then, until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.